we owed, you paid for us. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you that it is finished. The sacrifice is done, complete. You did all the work, and then you sealed the deal. about what you've done for us. So you know, we're going to be getting a new set of drums here pretty soon because the set we have uh, just doesn't just doesn't work. Okay, <laughs> even Drew tried to make it happen on the drums and had to bring out the what did he call this? Jajembe, Kajembe, cajon. That's the cone. Okay, that's the ice cream cone or something like that. I don't know, but um, we're working on that because it just did, that set just didn't work out. All right, well, I'm glad you're here. It's good to see you. Some of you back from spring break, and uh, glad you're able to be with us today. To be able to. So we've been doing this 40 Days of Focus, going through the Easter Code book, the uh, journey, 48 Journey to the Cross, and keep reading it. I'm enjoying reading it each night with my wife and being a part of that. I, when I get done to the end of the day, it's like, I should have read it this morning, too, because <laughs> i got all these things you're supposed to do. Um, I do as I'm working on my sermon, of course, but probably should try to do it in the morning time because you're supposed to practice this stuff. Today, you may be in the presence of many people at work at play at home, and by the time I read it at 9 o'clock at night, I'm not in the presence of too many people <laughs> at home. So uh, anyway, so keep after it. Um, this time, this is 40 days of focus, is a time of, we said, it's a time of prayer, of fasting or sacrifice, and giving. I want to encourage you to keep those things in your mind. I know you got a lot going through your mind, but this time, how are you how are you working to strengthen your prayer life? Spend just a little bit more time or a little bit more effort at it. Maybe add a prayer or two or thinking about some things that you could pray for. What are you doing in the area of fasting or sacrifice? Uh, I still still haven't had a soft drink during this time. I was at Wendy's twice this week. And the soft drink comes with it for that four for six. Again, it's a small sacrifice. I'm just trying to identify a little bit with what Jesus did for me. His incredible sacrifice for me and for you. What can I do to say, Lord, I'm just trying to understand just a little bit of what you in the area of giving, I've talked to you about reading the book Unoffendable and how it's encouraged me not to yell at people that drive by me or do stupid things on the road or things like that. And none of you have that problem again. You just kind of tell me that. Um, but something happened this week. Uh, I don't know if you knew this. Tuesday, uh, March 22nd, was International Water Day. Did you know that? Anybody else know that? A couple of you did? Good, good. So... Um, figure, you know, one of the things I could do is I could give to Living Water International to help put water somewhere. Because we know one, water's precious, and we know secondly, many people don't have water and don't have clean water. 
so that was something we did over and above what I'd normally do, being able to do that, have the ability to do that. Um, those are the types of things that are going to come to you during this time. And, and you can say, God, well, I, I know, and it, no, I'm not going to do it. Or you can say, God, yes, I'm going to do it. And it might even be a sacrifice for you. And you weren't expecting that in your giving plan. But if that's what God says, guess what we should do with it? Or ignore it, right? We can ignore it. But if God says, hey, I want you to do this, I want you to move out this way, we'll talk more about that as we get into the, the, uh, the lesson. But I want to encourage you, prayer, fasting or sacrifice, and giving. What, what is God speaking to you about that? Now, last week, I encouraged you, the last two weeks, I've encouraged you to take one thing from what we're talking about today, because we're going to talk about a lot of different things. And today, I want to do the same thing. That's why it says one up there. What's that one thing that God's going to speak to you about you're going to write it down because it's really, really important to be able to do that, to make sure you have it in your mind, you don't forget it, and then you're going to work to do it. And you're going to do it because God's going to help you do it. The Spirit's going to help you do it. He's not up there going, you know, hey, I want you to do this and go figure it out yourself. No, He's there with you. The Spirit's there with you to help you get done what He wants you to do. And so you listen. I was able to listen this week. Because it made it easy to listen when I got something from Living Water International in the mail the week before, right? It's a good reminder. And it sat there, and I said, you know, Lord, I need to do something about that. And we were able to. So you probably have those same things. Share them with me. It always encourages me when you're, the Lord speaks to you and you obey, and that encourages me to do what God wants me to do too as they come, and we're all working together. So on Monday, we're going through the code book. Uh, the code word was lunch. Now, that's not a big deal for you right now, but it will be at 11 o'clock for the second service. All right, then we're going to get this thing over with so we can get to lunch, right? Some of you may not even breakfast yet. But talk about lunch, and as you go to lunch, he wants you to think about what's in this book. He starts off by talking about inadequate resources. So I asked this question, of, have you ever had a time if you wondered if God was going to come through for you? You had a big need, and you were going like, I, I wonder if God's going to come through. Anybody ever had one of those times? Anybody ever had two of those times? <laughs> yeah, we get them quite often. I have to admit in my life, as in my married life, um, I've never had one of those we're in need financially times. I've, I've never had it. I know some of you had. You had the time where all there were were ramen noodles. Or there were beans and weenie in the, in the cabinet. And that's all you had. I've never had those in my married life. Now, my single life before I got to Alicia, yeah, I had a little bit of that every once in a while. Um, I remember kind of spending my last dollar um, on youth group stuff when I was in Amarillo, my first youth pastor position. Uh, I remember that. Um, I had a few times like that. But, but financially, I haven't. But some of you have had that. You've had that issue go on in your life. Am I, am I on? Still on? Okay, it kind of seemed like it just went out there just a minute. So, but I know right now. Some of you are dealing with that. It might be physically. It might be emotionally. Spiritually. You're dealing with something right now, and you're wondering, God, what are you going to do about this? What are you going to do about this? I need your help right now. We have an example of that in John chapter 6. As Jesus has been teaching... And all these people are following him. It's amazing. They're up there by the Sea of Galilee. 
and he's able to talk with them and says there's 5,000 men that are there. And we know that, you know, counting the kids and counting the wives and counting other people that are there, maybe single people that are there, you know, could have been up to 20,000 people. And he's teaching them and he's caring for them and teaching them the truth. And then it gets to be evening time. And he's like, you know, they might just be hungry. He's trying to sort through all that. He talks to his disciples about, well, you know, maybe you should go do something about that. Well, I can tell you this. McDonald's couldn't come up with 20,000 fish sandwiches that afternoon. All right? There's just no way that's going to happen. Right? And so he's talking among them. And Andrew goes and he finds a little lad, as it says in the book, a little lad with a little lunch. Five barley loaves and two fishes. Fishes. <laughs> then he says, but, but what... But what are these among so many people? In other words, this might feed two people, but it's not going to feed 20,000 people. What is this little bit going to do to be able to feed all these people? And you know, you've read the story, John chapter 6. He takes that and he blesses it and he multiplies it. And everybody, everybody gets full. Now, I don't know if Everybody liked Bartolillo's and five fishes or two fishes. I don't know, you know. But this is what we got to eat for dinner tonight. And he says that they have, what, 12 baskets of leftovers? A lot of leftovers. What he can do when the needs are there. But just think about that little boy. Hawkins says in his book, he says this, he says, that little boy woke up with the great potential to do all this through Jesus Christ but he had no idea it was going to take place. He didn't know that day he was going to feed 20,000 people with his five loaves and two, two fishes. And no idea that was going to take place. But it did. The need was there for the people. Jesus met that need in a very, very miraculous, miraculous way because that little boy, that little lad with a little lunch, said this. Yours. I'm thinking, thinking if it'd been maybe a little bit like me, it's like, I'm not sure I want to give this up. This is mine. Again, I, I'll speak for myself, not for you. I can sometimes have closed fists to things. This belongs to me. He even did that last night. This belongs to me. How come? Little boy. Somehow God directed him, had open hands, and he gave that little lunch. And Jesus took that little lunch, and he took care of all Jesus can do the same thing for you. Different ways, different things that you're dealing with. Just open your hand to his help. See what he does. But you know this? We also, we have the potential to impact many people every day. Every day, God gives us the opportunity to impact people, just like that little boy. And I, when I first wrote that part of the sermon, I said, we should wake up every morning knowing that potential and be excited about it. And I thought, well, we don't really wake up that way typically. But somehow through the day, we should recognize that we have the potential to impact lots of people's lives 
just by having open hands and kind words and generous thoughts toward people. To be a blessing to them, to help them, to encourage them to follow Jesus Christ. Even as I mentioned earlier, if you see somebody, well, I guess that's not true. If you see somebody who's not here, <laughs> that's not possible. <laughs> I kind of caught myself on that one. If you don't see somebody who's not here or something like that, write them, text them, email them, call them, something that say, hey, we missed you today. You're important to us. And I missed you being here today. In your work world, those things that happen, the graciousness that you can exhibit to people and the kindness you can exhibit to people to show them the love of Christ. Man, just look for those opportunities because they are we have the potential to reach so many people and to help them and to meet their needs by maybe offering what we have to them, going out of our way to be part of their lives. So as Dr. Hawkins says, as you eat lunch today, as you go to lunch today, recognize that you could make a difference in people's lives. And as you leave and as you go to Sunday school this morning, as you gather together, you get in your small groups, you're in your class, think about how can I meet this need? Matter of fact, I think that when you come to church, you ought to have, a, you ought to have an agenda. That agenda is, God, who do you want me to reach out to today? Who do you want me to care for today? Who would you like me to pray for today? You come that way, you'll get excited about coming to church. How, oh, God, you want to use me today because you have the potential to change people's lives today, right here, and as you go home today in your neighborhood, to the people that are around you. Incredible potential. A little lad with a little lunch didn't know he's going to be used by the Lord to reach many people for his sake. Dale Moody said, let God have your life. He can do a lot more with it than you can. <laughs> That's open hand. Not holding on to things. God, this is my life. I'm going to do what I want to do. Da, 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 da. We have those times, and those are important times to be a part of our lives. But, but to say, God, please use me. Of course, they always say that's one of the most dangerous prayers to ever pray. God, use me. Guess what? He, he will. Let God have your life. He can do more with it than you can. Tuesday, going on in the book. He talked about that dirty word politics. <laughs> politics. When I, when I read that, going through that book, it's going, what in the world is that doing here? Yeah, you read, read through, you can see it. You got any comfort zones? You do. You didn't answer me, but you do. We all do. We all got comfort zones, places that we feel very, very comfortable with that, that's really kind of sometimes hard to get out. Uh, let me ask this question. So, some of you You'll, you'll tell me by when you raise your hand. Um, so when you go to a restaurant, you typically order something different every time. How many of you do that? Four people. All right. And they're glad when they come to the restaurant because they know exactly what you want, right? Well, there are some people that do that. They're not here today, but <laughs> there are some people. How many of you go to the restaurant and you typically get what you really like? Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, me too. <laughs> but sometimes, 
sometimes you, you know, you kind of stretch yourself out a little bit. We all have those comfort zones. That this is a place I feel good about, I feel comfortable about. And I, I, I can sit here. And, and he's in this deal, he's talking about learning to get out of our comfort zone. And he says this. This is so true. Jesus left his comfort zone. He came from heaven to earth. His comfort zone. And he left his comfort zone to come to be with us. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. He left his comfort zone to come to be with us, to identify with us, to put on skin, the incarnation as we call it, to be with us. That is so significant, what he did for us in leaving that comfort zone for us. Now, in your outline, if you're following it, I have the wrong scripture passage. Got a little bit confused on Thursday. Happens every once in a while, about every hour or so. <laughs> we should be talking about the Good Samaritan. We're going to get to the passage I have listed there, but we're talking about the Good Samaritan. So think about this, man. He, he left his comfort zone to take care of this wounded man. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had what? Compassion. And he went to him and bound up his wounds. You know, he could have been like the other religious guy just passing by, uh, the religious guy. He could have been just like them and passed by that man. But no, with, with God in using him saw that need in this story that Jesus tells. He sees the need and he doesn't pass by him. He gets out of his comfort zone, the Samaritan seeking to minister to a Jewish person. And he tends to, and this person's beat and bloodied, and yet he reaches down with compassion and he binds his wounds and he takes care of him. He takes him to an inn. He takes him to a place where he could be looked after for a while. And then he says, what, well, I'll pay for everything that takes place to get this man well. He steps out of his comfort zone to meet this about us? How about me, Scott? The comfort zone. I got a hard time stepping out of them many times. Comfortable this way. Comfortable to do this. Think about my neighborhood and stepping out of my comfort zone. I, I don't do it very well. I need to do it more better. Because the people around me need to see the love of God. Not because I'm a pastor, no, because I'm a believer. Jesus is a part of my life. He's loved me. He stepped out of his comfort zone for me and for you. Think about who's your one, that person you're praying for. I prayed for that list, do that list this morning again for you. Do it every Sunday morning on prayer time. How can you step out of your comfort zone this week with them? And maybe, okay, this is what I want to do, and I need to do this, and da 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 and say, no, no, Lord. Okay, the Lord says, no, I want you to do it right now. I don't want to do it right now because I got this going up. Lord, Lord says, I want you to do it now. Okay, Lord. I'm going to step out of my comfort zone. What I want to do, that, that I'm going to do what you asked me to do and do it right now. 
comfort zone. And that's why he talks about politics. He says, we all got some politics about us, you know. We all got a little color to us in terms of that, you know, red, blue, or, you know, purple, or whatever, right? And he's saying in there, you know, do you always hang around those people who believe like you do that way? How about maybe stepping out and talking to other people and getting to know them a little bit, even in their world, because they too need Jesus, right? We all need Jesus. That's how he uses the phrase, the the term, politics. Getting us to think of stepping out of our comfort zone to meet the needs of people around us so that they can see the love of Jesus Christ in our life and what he did for us on the cross. Because he stepped out of his comfort zone. And we all know that that wasn't very comfortable. His death on our behalf. He goes on to say this. He says, the prayer that he has, he says, lead me in some way to follow. Follow you out of my comfort zone in order to be a blessing. Because if it is great to get a blessing, it is much greater to be a blessing. You know that thought. You know that, that how it feels when we're able to minister to somebody. We do that which God's telling us to do. We reach out and we get out of our comfort zone and we go and do what he wants us to do. There is a sense of satisfaction in there. There's a sense of, I've done the right thing. There's a sense of celebration because we did what he asked us to do. And it feels good to do that. But we all know the feeling when he's told us to do something and to move forward this way and to go this way and we don't do it. And then we sit back and we go, guilt, a little bit of embarrassment maybe. We have to forgive that, that we didn't do. Ask his forgiveness for what we didn't do. What's he talking to you about? What's he saying? What's the Spirit saying to you about your comfort zone and how you can step out of that to reach people who need Christ and who need the love of Jesus Christ? Day, day three on Wednesday, he goes and he leads us to this incredible, incredible story about the prodigal son. I'm, I'm going to read it. It's in Luke chapter 15, if you want to turn in your Bibles there. Because he, he goes Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. He talks about the prodigal son. So we're going to camp here for just a little while. So this is Luke chapter 15. You probably know this story pretty well, but it's God's word. It's God's truth. And let's look at it. Luke chapter 15 begins in verse 11, goes through verse 32. And he said, Jesus speaking, There was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had had, and he took a journey into a far country, and there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in the country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion, and he ran, and he embraced him, and he kissed him. And the son said to him, 
Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his finger and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let us eat and celebrate. For this was my son. He was dead and he's alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate and party. Now his older son was in the field and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of his servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he's received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him, but he answered his father, Look, these many years I've served you and I never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when the son of yours came, who's devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. The father said to him, Son, you're always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad. For this, your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost. As Jesus was journeying to the cross, many parables during that time, trying to help people understand his truth. Parables have been defined as earthly stories with heavenly or, or eternal meaning. They also have been defined this way, that, that parables conceal truth to those who really don't want to know it, but it reveals truth to those who want to know what he's talking about. It conceals to those. Those people that said, I really don't care what that means. Well, okay, you're not going to figure it out. But to those who want to know what he's talking about, it reveals truth. As a matter of fact, many times he's even willing to explain it to people then they didn't have quite the understanding of it. This earthly story that he tries to put down and where we live so that we can understand these truths that are so important to our lives. And this is one of those beautiful, beautiful parables. We call it the prodigal son story of the prodigal son, but really as you go through it, and as Dr. Hawkins points out, it's, it shouldn't be called that. It should be called the, the story of the father. Because it's all about the father. Yeah, the prodigal son's in there, so is the older son. But really the subject of the parable is the father. It starts out that way in verse 11. There was a man, a father, who had two Sons. The subject is the father, and he is the center stage. And it's about the love of the father. His incredible love, not just for the younger son, but obviously too for He tells this story to help us understand the welcome that the father brings to this younger son. As the younger son comes, I love this picture, we found it yesterday. The father with his arms wide open, welcoming his son back to him. We sang earlier, how deep the father's love for us. That he would give his only son 
Father's love for us. So vast beyond all measure. There is no limit to His love. It is boundless. Nothing can contain it. And He welcomes His Son. he goes on on Thursday as he continues to think through the prodigal son and the story. It's amazing what he says. Dr. Hawkins says this. He says, the father had an open hand to his son. He let him go. How hard For this father, but many of you know that too. If you've let your children go and they've made choices that didn't honor you or didn't please the father, and how difficult that is. But he says this the father had open hand to let his son go, but he never gave up on him. He let him go, but he never gave up when I was looking around I can see many of you that's the story for you you've let your children go or your grandchildren go and they haven't followed the things that you've taught them but you've never given up on them you keep loving them you keep caring for them you keep sharing Jesus in the way you can through the deep love of the Father that they might return and come back to Jesus Christ and follow Him and love Him with their whole heart, soul, mind, and strength. It's a picture that gets developed in this story, this open hand that He has. No, it's not easy to have that open hand, but you know what? People make choices. Have you figured that out in life? <laughs> you made choices when you were a teenager and a college student. I made choices too. And people make those choices and we can do all we can and we can grab onto them and say, you're not going to do this. Da, 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 da. And, and they're going to make their choices and it's going to hurt. We know it hurts. But we never give up on them. Amen? We never give up on them. You share those things with us, your prayer cards. I don't just pray for your one. If I know other things about your family and I know other people, I write it down in the side. Because I know you care for your children and your grandchildren and your cousins and things like that. If I, if I can put that down and I can pray for that, God, just use, use these people in their lives that they might return to Jesus Christ and follow Him. An open hand. He let go, but he never gave up on them. Romans chapter 8, what a beautiful, beautiful passage. Why don't you read it with me? For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Yeah, you know what? 
He lets you go at times too. You make decisions every day about whether Jesus is going to be first in your life. I do too. And yet when we know Him and He's our Savior and we have this relationship with Him, nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Keep praying. Keep loving those ones in your family. Those friends around you who've made a choice at this time to say, I'm not going to follow Jesus. It hurts. I understand. It's painful. But don't give up on them. Because Jesus will never give up on you. You know him? Nothing's going to separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. He goes on in day Friday. Cake code word is, is open. You know, we read the story. The guy, the younger son, takes the money, takes his inheritance, and he goes, he squanders it in wild living, wild women, wild people, and everything else. And then he comes to his senses. He recognizes, man, I'm, you know, I, I'm eating pig food. It's not kosher for Jewish boys. Not in a place I should be. My father's servants have a better life than what I have. I need my father. I need to turn back to him. The passage says he he came to himself. (laughs) We all know that. We all know that the first way that we make change is for us to come to ourselves and recognize, I need to change. We've all been there, whatever the issue that we have. We come to that point, we say, I need to change. This this change of mind that, that takes place. recognizes what he needs to do and then he goes about and he seeks to do it. He needs to come back to his father. He talked about repentance. Back in uh, back a few, few pages, a few chapters he talked about repentance. That repentance is first of all this change of mind. He came to himself and then it's a change of will. I, I will go back to my father and then it's a change of action that he actually goes and does that. He could have stopped right there of course. He could have stopped with a change of mind. Well, I need to change, but I'm not going to. But then he says, no, my my will has to move. My will has to say, this is what I'm going to do. And then guess what? I need to do it. I need to move this direction. I need to go back to my father. That's where my protection is. That's where my security is. That's where the help that I really, really need. And I'm not just going to go back to him, but I'm going to go back to him and say, I have sinned. That's the fullness of repentance. When we can go to the Lord, to the Father, and recognize, I need to return to you, but Father, I have sinned. Confession, agreeing with God that what I did was wrong. Not just saying, I'm sorry. No, saying it out loud. God, when I did this, I sinned against you. I sinned against my parents. I sinned against my kids. When I did that, that's the fullness of beautiful statement that he makes. The son came walking back to the father, but the father came running to the son. And that's what he'll do for you, and that's what he'll do for me. When we come back to we recognize we have this sense of repentance. We have this sense of confession. I changed my mind. I changed my will. I changed my action. And we come back to him. 
Yes, He is welcoming us home. Kai, you have come back to where you belong. Remember, He had open hands. The author says he had open hands. He let his son go, but he never gave up on him. And then he demonstrates his love for him with open arms. You've come back. You've come back. I'm so glad you are back. And he runs to him with those open arms. How does he treat us? Psalm 103, a beautiful passage. It'll be up on the screen. He does not deal with us according to our sins. And he has every right to. Nor repay us according to our iniquities. And he has every right to. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast. What's the next word? Love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. Get this. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. (laughs) Wow. Wow. As a father has compassion on his children, so the father has compassion for those who fear him. He runs to us when we want to return and come back with open arms and welcomes us home. Do you remember, oh, I don't know, you know, five or six chapters before this, I think I wrote it down, day 13, in Revelation 2, he says, one of the most mistranslated passages or misquoted passages is to the church that Ephesus that you have lost your first love. He says, no, no, no. It really says you have left your first love. Even the ESV says you've abandoned your first love. You've 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 left it. Not it, it can be found because you walked away from it. And he says you can walk back toward it, and the Father will run to you. Is the picture in Luke chapter fifteen? With open arms, the Father will welcome you back, welcome me back, welcome your kids back. If but we will move toward Him. Embrace him as he embraces us. Welcome home. Welcome home. Maybe you're at that point today. You've been running from him. You've been walking away from him. Maybe you're just plain apathetic to him. Well, you know, yeah, God, you know, you know maybe tomorrow, I, yeah, well, okay, I, I, I got to do this, God. And today's the day to come back to him. Move back toward him. His arms are open wide. They run towards you and welcome you. Home where you belong, where you need to be. Well, he finishes out the last day. He goes into Saturday. The word is presence. The code word is presence. The prodigal son returns home, and the party begins. (laughs) A big celebration's taking place. Their younger son, the disobedient son, you know, he's in there, he's celebrating with everybody. And the obedient son, the older son, 
He's out there pouting. One's parting and one's pouting. We probably all know that a little bit. How come you're doing that for him? You never did that for me. Well, there's probably not truth in that. <laughs> He's been living at home, taken care of. Father's been doing things for him, helping him out. But he has this sense of anger. He has this sense of frustration, sense of disappointment in his dad. While everybody's partying, what's the dad got to do? He's got to go out and settle a problem out there. When he should be imparting, welcome, having a great time with his son because his son has come home. And Dr. Hawkins points out three things that, that the father gives to him. He says to this older son, he says, You have my presence. Son, you are always with me. He says, you, you have my provision. All that I have is yours. And you know my purpose. Here's my purpose for what's going on today. Your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. We have to celebrate. We have to party. Because he's come back. I've welcomed him home. And you need to do the same thing. It's not in the text, but you know he's saying it. You need to do the same thing. See, the father had open hands. He let his son go, but he never gave up on him. The father had open arms. When he came back, he ran toward him and opened his arms and said, Welcome home. Now the father exhibits his open heart to his younger son, disobedient, but to his older son, who's been obedient to him. He reveals his heart to him. You have my presence. You have my provision. You understand my purpose. We have to celebrate because he has come home. He's saying this, I'd do the same thing for you if that happened to you. And you ran away, I would do the same thing for you when you came home. I'd let you go with an open hand. I'd welcome you home with an open heart, open arms. And I have an open heart towards you. I respect you. I love you. I care for you just like I love my son. He points out, you probably know this, but it just never dawned on me. That, that Jesus doesn't tell us how the story ends. He doesn't tell us how the story ends. He doesn't say whether the, the older son went back in and started partying, having a great time, or whether he quit his pouting or not. He doesn't tell us how it ends. And maybe that's because he wants us to finish the story. He wants you and me to finish the story. Are we the older son who gets angry because a party happens? Because his younger son, his brother, has come home and done the right thing and repented and moved back into his world? Does the younger son keep following? Or is this just a kind of one time, well, I took care of it, everything's good? The story doesn't end. I think Jesus is that master teacher leaves it open for us. How are we going to finish the story? How are we going to recognize God's presence in our life? You see, he has two sons. They make different choices, but there's one father who had one choice, and it's this. It's to love and pardon his younger son and his older son. 
You're gonna, she's going to have to forgive his older son for this little anger, t little you know, pity party, this little temper tantrum that he sent, that he participated in. He's going to have to do the same thing. He's going to have to forgive him when he repents. As the story unfolds and gives a picture of our Heavenly Father, we remember this. He is Emmanuel. Right? God with us. God with me. Emmanuel. God with me. And then he takes us in the book. He takes us to Hebrews 13.5. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Coming from the Old Testament. Given to Joshua. Joshua chapter 1. But it's interesting. What it says before that. It says, be careful about the love of money. And be content with what you have. There's an older son in that story who was not content with what he had. Right? That's why he's so angry. You didn't do this for me. And I've been here all the time. I've served you. I've taken care of you. But you didn't do this for me. He didn't have contentment. And see, when we get our contentment factor out of place, it's really hard to remember that, oh yeah, you're Emmanuel. You're with me. He'll never leave me, forsake me. You know what? That ought to be enough contentment right there. <laughs> but oh no, we can get our eyes on, you know, old song by New Song Quartet, Lana many years ago. Let us not become entangled by the trappings of this world. So easy for us to do. And for us to get our contentment antenna up there and go, ah, oh, you didn't do that for me. How come you not? Uh, when we do that, we won't recognize that He's right there with us. His presence is right there with us. He will make provision for us. And He has a purpose for us. And that is to celebrate with those who come back and to celebrate with those who stayed right with Him. My friend, when you know Jesus Christ, He is Emmanuel. And He says to you, I Whatever your issue, whatever your struggle is today, and you're wondering whether God's going to provide, I guarantee you this. He may not provide like you want to provide, but I guarantee you, He is with you. And He will never leave you nor forsake you. I know when things are going good, it's easy to say those words and parrot those words. I know when things are bad and hard, and these things are swirling around you, I know it's really difficult at times. But please let this settle in your heart. Do you know Him? never leave you nor forsake you because he is Emmanuel, God with you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for being with us. The good times, oftentimes we forget that you're with us and in the bad times we complain that we don't understand why you're doing this.
Father, if someone doesn't know you today, man, let them run to the Father today. The Father's arms are open wide. And He wants to share His deep, deep love. Yeah, He, he loves. He loves all people. But He wants to make that really, really precious. In this relationship that we would have with you. Jesus, the Savior of the world, the Father who loves us so much. Thank you. Thank you for your help, your encouragement, your strength. If somebody doesn't have that, let them get in on it today and say yes to Jesus. I need you as my Savior. I need my sins to be forgiven. I want eternal life.